Last week, we heard Peter's confession of who Jesus is as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, as well as Jesus' praising of Peter's faithfulness and being the rock upon which he will build his church, giving him the keys to the kingdom. Today, we continue in Matthew's gospel right where we left off last week. And, well, Jesus has something else to say to Peter and the disciples this week as he shares more about who he is and where his journey is leading. I invite you now to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 16th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, beginning with the 21st verse. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, most fairy tales have a similar ending, right? They end with very familiar words. From that time on, they all lived. The traditional wedding vows that we say end with a similar, from this day forward, dot, dot, dot. This phrase, from that time on, from this day forward, from then on, it signifies a turning point from which nothing will ever be the same again. But at the same time, this is a phrase that is also dependent on everything that has just happened before. Matthew begins his gospel or gospel reading this morning with this little phrase, from that time on. This tells us that what Matthew is about to reveal is deeply connected to what immediately precedes this. That is Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God of Jesus appointing Peter to lead his church, his community of those who have been called out to proclaim Jesus as Lord. But remember, our lesson last week also ends with Jesus sternly ordering the disciples not to reveal his identity as the Messiah to anyone. Here we start to see why. Matthew reveals right after this warning not to reveal not to say who Jesus is as Messiah. Matthew says next, From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, 
and on the third day be raised again. This is the first time Jesus predicts his impending death and resurrection. He'll do it quite a few more times after this, but this is the first time, and it happens immediately after Peter declares Jesus as the Messiah. This declaration by the disciples allows Jesus as their teacher to go deeper with them. For those of you who are teachers, you know once your students have step one, then you can move on to step two and thereafter. This revelation by Peter and the disciples allows Jesus to take them to the next step and reveal what must happen to the Messiah. After doing so, Peter, always the eager disciple, jumps forward first saying, God forbid it, Lord. Jesus rebukes him, and Peter goes from being called a rock of faith to being a stumbling block in just a couple of verses. But you can't blame Peter, can you? Why must you suffer, Lord? Why must this happen? Any of us would stop the suffering of someone we care about if we were able. But even more so, to Peter and the disciples, really... What this means to the entire world at this time is that Jesus' death means Jesus' defeat. Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard boldly says uh, about Jesus on this note, The tyrant dies and his rule is over. The martyr dies and his rule begins. What the world sees as defeat, the kingdom of God sees as triumph. Here we see why Jesus forbids the disciples from telling anyone that he's the Messiah. His identity as Messiah, his identity as Lord, will not fully be revealed, understood, until his death and resurrection. So his disciples, and certainly anyone else, cannot possibly understand the depth of this yet. But more so, this becomes a teaching moment for the disciples about what it means to truly follow Jesus. Here we see the most cogent description of what it means to be a disciple. But like Jesus sharing what he must do, this description of discipleship is also one that would be met with resistance. With resistance because it is so at odds with the world. Jesus tells them, if any want to become my followers, let them take Let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This is a familiar yet difficult passage. I mean, the church has struggled with this for 2,000 years, folks. It is because this is truly at odds with what our world tells us to do. To explore this and what it means for us, I want us to focus on the three main verbs in this statement. Deny, take up, and follow. The first verb for us to explore in Jesus' description of discipleship is deny. In Jesus' day, to be a follower of a rabbi or teacher was a cherished role, uh, one with stature, respect, and honor. Only the best students were asked to to, uh, have such a role, and it was seen as the stepping stone to becoming a rabbi later in life. So Jesus tells these disciples that if they are going to follow him, they are to do so not for their own gain, but for the glory of God. 
To follow Jesus, to follow the Messiah, means to deny yourself. To check your own agendas, your biases, and your status at the door for the sake of the kingdom. To follow Jesus means to deny yourself. This is a difficult one. Because the world we live in tells us to always be promoting ourselves. We are encouraged to network, to add degrees and titles to our names, Even in my own profession, we're taught to network and make connections to help out our own ministries. But the way of Jesus is one of denying ourselves and our agendas for the sake of the gospel. The way of Jesus is one of humility, not hubris. Scholar Tom Long here claims that a disciple forfeits the game of power before the first inning even begins. It means being a dropout in the school of self-promotion. Paul himself echoes this in our first reading from Romans, saying, Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Denying oneself leads to the second and more challenging verb, take up, as in take up your cross. To the world, nothing could truly be more counterintuitive, nothing could be more foolish than putting down one's own desires and agenda and taking up a cruel instrument of suffering and loss. Long here says that bearing a cross may look to the world like a tragedy, but in God's eyes it is a triumph. It is the mystery of the gospel that what appears to crush everything one hopes to be as a human being bearing the cross of service and suffering, is in fact the only way for a human being to be fully alive. Cross-bearers place down their own wants and needs and take up the cause of those in need. Most cross-bearers these days uh, do not have to give up their own life for their faithfulness, but we should never forget those who have and those who do. Most crossbearers take on the crosses of compassion and service, echoing what Paul says in our first lesson. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. In a selfish world, Followers of Jesus are to live selfless lives. Identifying not with the powerful, not seeking our own promotion and honor, but taking on the cause of the weak and the suffering. In the wake of the tremendous hurricane and flood damage to southeast Texas and now parts of Louisiana and among other places, we have seen some very powerful acts of cross-bearing this past week people dropping everything, hopping in their boat to help out the overwhelmed rescue workers. An owner of a small mattress store opening up uh, the locations of his stores as shelters and offering the brand new furniture and mattresses for sale to those displaced from their homes. When tragedy strikes, a follower of Jesus is called to take up, not take off. To take up the cross of those suffering and in need offering Christ's own healing and hope. Our final verb is follow. 
disciples of Jesus are called to deny themselves, their agendas, take up the crosses of those in need, and finally to follow Jesus himself. As I said earlier, to be a disciple in those days was a cherished entry-level position for one who hoped to later be a revered teacher. When commissioned, disciples of rabbis in Jesus' day were given a a blessing with, with words that sounded something like this. May you be covered in the dust of your master, as in may you follow so close to everything your teacher says and does that you are covered in the sand, the dirt, the dust from their wake. Jesus' disciples are now called to follow this teacher, this teacher who has just told them to deny power and status, to take on suffering and follow him. Those who call themselves Jesus' disciples are called to follow him, to follow him out of the comfortable and familiar and into the unknown. Friends, the path of Jesus is one of humility. It's one of sacrifice and risk. It's one of taking on the cause of those in need and following our Lord into the unknown. In other words, it's not an easy path. But thankfully, it's a path we never take alone. God's Spirit leads us in our community of faith, discerning how we are to follow in this path of Jesus. We are reminded that we are not alone in the journey of discipleship when we gather together at our Lord's table. Here we gather with Christians of every place and time as we are lifted into Christ's presence by the Spirit to be fed and nourished by Him that we might go from here, deny ourselves, our agendas, our endless attempts of power and status, take up our crosses of suffering of the world, and follow Jesus out of the familiar and into the unknown. Friends, may it be so for us today, for the entire church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.